0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. for a brand new year, man, come on. It's gonna be your best ever, and uh, man, we're really glad to have you. If you're new to Sub 30, uh, you're, you're doing really well right now. You have 100% attendance for the year. It's awesome, keep it up, and so congratulations. And uh, if it's your first time joining us, my name's Clay, and I'm the Sub 30 pastor here at Celebration and uh, really are honored to have you with us tonight. In fact, can we go ahead and put our hands once again uh, for putting them together for everyone watching online. We've got a huge online audience. And uh, every single week, there's just hundreds and hundreds of more people who aren't able to be in this room, uh, but they're watching from like all over the world, truthfully. And uh, really glad to have you from wherever you're tuning in. And so if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and get it out. We're gonna get to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in just a second. And uh, man, I love what Pastor Layton said as he was closing out worship. Um, it's so true, we've, we've kinda had this saying around celebration for a little while and it, and it really rings true that this is gonna be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. And uh, I don't have to be like some you know, big time prophet on TV or whatever to you know, understand that in a room this big with this many people, there's probably a few who could use the best year they've ever had. And uh, man, I just believe that I, I'm so grateful, right? Because you're putting God first now, first Sunday back of a brand new year. But man, if we can collectively decide that, man, I'm gonna put God first in every area of my life this entire year, then 2016 is gonna be the best days you've ever lived. And I, I, you've probably had some good ones. Like I can think back to a couple years where i would be like, man, that, that was a good year, you know? 2014, that was a good year. Or, you know, 1997, <laughs> that was, you know, so young. Like how could it be a bad year? So. Uh, you know, it was, it was a good year, but man, 2016 could be the best if we make it our best spiritually. And so, hey, we're gonna look right here in the passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. It's gonna come up on these big screens to your left and to your right. I'm also excited tonight about our after party immediately following the service. Uh, anyone up for free food? Any broke college students in the house? You've already used your gift cards from Christmas. You are fresh out of Chick-fil-A gift cards and like you're like I need a free meal, right? That's why you're here, okay? So, no shame. We're going to give you a little bit of Jesus. We'll feed you too. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. I'm gonna read out of the message translation. If you're kind of like new to church, um, new to reading your Bible, uh, the message translation is actually a brilliant thing. I totally recommend it. Pick one up at a local Christian bookstore. You can get it at Barnes and Noble, wherever you wanna go. Uh, and uh, it, it's basically a translation that puts the language in like modern day language. So if you've ever like been in the Bible, maybe you like grew up in a church and like you only got like King James version, You're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Man, the message really puts it in an easy way for all of us to understand. And you'll see just what I'm I'm saying right here. Verse 12, it says, you can easily uh, enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. Everyone say one body. You're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. So what the scripture's saying right there is like, yo, before you knew Jesus, before you gave your life to Jesus, you actually used to be in the driver's seat, right? And you remember how horrible you drove. Your life. Like we all just, we drove it horrendously, right? We surrender our lives to Jesus. Now he gets the final word in everything. It's very, very simple. Let's keep reading. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, they're no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how this all, uh, how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different, but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not elegant like the hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make any sense at all? If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all an eye, how could it hear? If it was all an ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it, verse 19. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. Check this out. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you're a part of. I love it, I love it. No matter how significant you might be as an individual in this room tonight, it's only because of what you are a part of, right? The church of Jesus Christ, an enormous eye, or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, it'd be a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job's been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's part of your own body, you're concerned with, uh, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher parts. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I mean, I, yeah, I guess you would. So, uh, everyone's immediately looking for people without hair. It's so awkward, I'm so sorry. Um, Verse 25, right? Uh, The way God designed, this is where it all culminates right here. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our life together as the church. Every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mention, the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body, that's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part, I love this. You gotta, you gotta, oh, you gotta underline this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. My prayer, right, as your pastor here at Sub 30, my prayer is that you'll accept your part in 2016, that you understand that you have a part to play, you have a position to play, that God's designed you for something unique and something specific, and that all together, man, if we each play our individual part, then the body of Christ here in the city of Jacksonville, Florida, is gonna continue to flourish and grow, and we're gonna be able to reach more and more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? If you wanna take some notes tonight, which I highly, highly suggest and encourage, I've entitled this message, No Extra Parts. No Extra Parts. Let's pray and we're gonna get into it. Father. In Jesus' name, Lord, we're so grateful for your word, God, that every time we open up the Bible, it shapes us. God, when we apply it to our life, we're totally transformed. So Lord, tonight we lean in to your word. God, I thank you tonight that we are blessed when we obey. God, your word is very, very clear about that. God, we're not just blessed when we hear. Hearing's great. Lord, I wanna keep hearing the word as often as I'm breathing air. But God, we're not blessed when when we hear, we're blessed when we obey. And so Lord, as we hear your word tonight, let us receive it, let us obey it, and we're gonna be much better for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen? Amen. amen. No extra parts. Hey, uh, obviously, we just passed the Christmas season and it was great. And, you know, my family enjoyed some time up in the Chicago, Illinois uh, area and uh, got a little snow. The temperatures dropped and uh, so it was good. Got to experience a little bit of winter. And if you're not familiar maybe with me, if you're new to Sub 30, you don't really know maybe who I am or who my family is. Uh, I've been married for eight years to my wife, Bethany. And uh, we have one baby boy and who's about a year and a half old, his name's Jude. And uh, Jude's awesome. Uh, If you follow Instagram, stuff like that, you're always gonna see pictures of Jude. He's like just everything in my world right now. He's always doing cool stuff. I love him so much. Uh, But this past Christmas, it was Jude's second Christmas. right? So he already had one, but he was so young at his first Christmas, it was really, he he didn't catch any of it, you know what I mean, and and so young. But here in this past Christmas, a year and a half old, um, he really is understanding, wow, there's a lot of new toys coming my way, This is awesome and any of you with children or if you spend Christmas with little toddlers, they totally steal the show, right? Like they just get way more presents than everyone. There's no way on earth that my mom spent the same amount of money on me that she did on my son, her grandson Jude, right? He cleaned up this Christmas and uh, And one thing I know uh, about Jude's toys is even at his birthday and just random times in the year as he's growing up and we're buying more and more toys that are appropriate for his age, what happens is is they they come to our house, right? They get shipped to our house, and they they always get shipped in these big, huge boxes, right? These are just a couple of things that I've had to put together that came to the house. I mean, there's tons more at home that I couldn't fit in the car, Um, but boxes are just always coming to the house, and we're supposed to be on a budget, but apparently when it comes to Jew toys, my wife does not stick to our budget, and so there's always a UPS man at my door every single uh, afternoon with some new toy, right? and uh, any of you who have uh, toddlers or or been around them, what you'll always know is when the box shows up to your house, right, you get it, you, you bring it into the house, there's always like a really nice picture on the side of the box, isn't there? There's always like this toddler playing with whatever toy it is, right? And, and it's just, they're smiley, they're happy. The conditions in this picture just look totally ideal. You know, he's either in a really nice house with hardwood floors, granite countertops, and he's just playing by himself in the kitchen. If you have kids, you know that never happens. What what he's really doing is tearing everything out of your cabinets, that's what he's really doing. But but the picture looks great. If it's an outside toy, then the little kid on the box, he's playing outside, perfect manicured lawn, looks amazing. Like the mom and dad are in the background, just like, oh my God, our little boy is so great. You know, the box, and, and what they don't tell you is that box is a lie. It's a lie, and that's an absolute lie because what they don't tell you is somewhere in the midst of all of that picture, there's a dad in a dark corner crying angry tears because it took him six hours and half a bottle of Xanax to put this whole toy together. All these toys, I hate you, I hate you. They don't show you that on the box. Everybody looks hunky-dory. We're having a great time with all this new stuff. No, you're not. Right? I put, I put these toys together, you, and they just come. You, you wouldn't even, this looks so simple. No, no, no. This is like it comes in like a box this big with 5,000 parts, right? All looks so simple. And, and what I notice as I put so many things together now, being a dad for a year and a half, is, is when you open up the box and you put the toy together, there are no extra parts. There's never any extra parts, ever. So if you break apart, you better hope to God, Home Depot carries something similar to whatever it is that you need, or you are just out of luck. But, but on, the, on the flip side, what I've noticed is that if you get finished putting whatever it is together but you still have some parts left, something's missing. Something, something's missing, like you know, they give you some instructions, some are better put together than others, but like if you have some stuff, but you got extra part, like something is missing. And here's what I've learned sub 30, the toy, it might work okay, but it's never gonna work like it was intended to work, as long as you still have some extra pieces over here that need to be assembled on, on, on what you have. There, there are no extra parts, and as I thought about that, and I was putting this message together, I realized, look, every part serves a purpose. Every single part belongs in a specific place. When you put a machine or a toy or a project together, every part has a specific place that it needs to be. So, so then check this out, Sub 30. If the world, if the kingdom of God is one big machine, then that means every single person has a role and a part to play in the machine called the kingdom of God. There are no extra parts in the kingdom. None. None. There's no extra parts in God's plan for the world, his purposes for his, his world, his kingdom. There's no, I wrote this down, there's no extra people who just sit on the sidelines. You're like that, that. that's not life. There's no extra people that just kind of sit on the sidelines, watch everybody else get to play in the game, watch everybody else have a position, watch everyone else have a part, but you just have to sit on the sidelines wondering if you're ever gonna be put in the game that that's not how god does it there's no extra people that god just made because he just wanted to add some more to the human race this week and it's like he's looking at the angels like i don't really have a task for him i don't really have a purpose for him but it looks like you know florida could use a few extra you know and and so we're just going to i mean it's a nice place we might as well just throw a few down there no no there's no extras there's no extra parts in the kingdom of god there's no substitutes that don't get a chance to play unless unless like The really good Christians go down, you know? Like, like you just have to sit there and waiting until the first string Christian kind of screws up and then you get to play in the game. Like, no, that was your middle school sports days, I know, but that's not how the kingdom of God works. No extra parts. God doesn't make extras. Have you ever been like, have you ever been watching a movie and like, (laughs) that's a stupid question, so. (laughs) Yeah, you guys ever seen these things called movies? They're awesome, so. um. But if you've ever been watching a movie and you, and you see those scenes where they have extras in, in that particular scene and, and, and there's something going on in the foreground but all the extras are just walking around and, and extras in movies, they're just space fillers. They're just roamers. They're just random. They, they serve no importance to the plot of the story and the movie that's going on. They simply fill space throughout time. God doesn't make extras. Extras. God doesn't make extras. You're not living in a world where someone else that you're best friends with is the protagonist and you just have to be the extra in their film. God doesn't make extras. There's a plan, there's a purpose, there's a destiny, there's a specific calling for every single person under the sound of my voice right now. God doesn't do extras. And I just thought I was piecing this message together because, man, this is the year where where you're gonna stop acting like the extra. This is gonna be the year where, you're, where you stop just sitting on the sidelines of life and understand that God has something for you. And I just think that maybe the enemy is, is tricking and fooling our generation, so many people, and, and he's, he's just got you to sit down. He's just got you, and, and maybe you even look at your life right now, and, and your life thus far, you would say that maybe it just feels worthless. Maybe you would say that it just feels like there's no value to me, I'm I'm, I'm meaningless, I'm worthless, I'm absolutely unnecessary, I'm just filling some unnecessary gap in the human race and the enemy's convinced you that that's true. And I wanna tell you tonight, Sub 30, don't believe that garbage, don't believe that lie. Stop, Stop sitting on that lie, stop welcoming that lie. There are no extra parts in what God wants to do in his plans for the kingdom. On the contrary, you're very necessary. You are very valuable, very needed, and very important to the plans and purposes of God. Listen to me closely tonight. If you want to write some things down, you got to write this one down, okay? You have a job. You have a role, and you have a part to play in what God wants to do on the earth. You have a specific part. And, and here's what I want to say: as your pastor, at the beginning of 2016, we desperately need you to play your part. We need you. The, the, the body of Christ needs you to play your part. What, what God is doing in our city of Jacksonville, Florida, man, I, sometimes I, I sit back and I, I just look at what's happening here at Celebration and there's a lot of great life-giving churches here in our area. I'm thankful that, that we're not just here alone. I'm thankful that there's a lot of other great churches preaching Jesus, leading people, discipling people. I, I love, and when I look across our city, I'm so excited at what God's doing, but I just can't help but think, what else could he do if more and more people played their part? if more and more people decided, you know what? In 2015, I was sitting too much. In 2016, I'm getting in the game. In 2016, I'm gonna be a player in the game of the kingdom of God. Man, what if that was us? What if we all made that commitment? You know, I I thought about this. You know, As the scripture said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talked about the the human body, how it's a, a great illustration for the body of Christ, the church, right? No matter what part you play, big or small, Seen or unseen, it's all valuable. I thought about this. Um, if you did not have your big toes, it's that awful, you know? So I don't know if there's anyone in here missing a big toe, that's unfortunate. So, but if you, if, like, if you didn't have your big toes, like it's just, it's just two toes, you got, you got more, but it's just two toes, right? And, and most of the time, they're totally unseen, they're covered up with, with socks or shoes or, or whatever you're wearing. But, but if you don't have big toes, it's a whole lot harder to get from A to B. It's a whole lot harder to walk and, and run if you're missing a couple of toes, but you can't even see them. Doesn't matter. I wouldn't want to live without them. See, seen or unseen, every part is important. You know, I had to look this one up. I'm, I'm not just this smart, um, But for some of you who might be like biology or anatomy or super smart Doogie Howser types, so um, I dated myself right there, holy crap. Uh, So Google it. (laughs) Um, But anyways, if if you're really, really smart, I I had to look up what the smallest organ in the body was, right? The smallest organ in the human body. It's actually a, a gland, it's called the pineal gland. And it sits in the center of your brain. And it's right there, just in the center of all of our brain. I guarantee you no one is missing one tonight. You don't have to to check. No one's missing one. It's all there. And what this particular organ and gland does is it produces melatonin, right? So it affects how you sleep, how you wake up, uh, your physical performance during the day. It it helps you transition seasons, all of these types of things. And it's sitting right there in in your brain. Just, it's, it's a small organ of your body. And I, I had to look up, like, well, how big is it? Like, if, if it's in the brain, like, how, how big is the smallest organ in my entire body? And here's how big it is. It's a max size of seven millimeters. Seven, that's not centimeters, seven millimeters. And you're thinking, well, how big is seven millimeters? Well, if you were to pull out maybe a, a, some change in your pocket, if you pulled out a U.S. dime, like a 10 cent piece. A dime is almost 18 millimeters. We're talking seven millimeters. And it sits right there, almost unseen. Like, like you you wouldn't even really see that. I I, I mean, how much loose change at times do we maybe just pass on the ground, we don't even stop to pick up? Seven millimeters, that is so small, that seems so insignificant, that is so unseen, but I wouldn't wanna live without it. Every part, every part, seen or unseen, big or small in the kingdom of God. I, I, I'm not God, I don't know how big your part is going to be and what he has planned, but I know you got a part. I know you got a position to play. Every part is important, every person has a part to play. And I, I just want this to sink in in a very practical way tonight, that we the church, the people of God, the kingdom of God, we need you to step into your part this year. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you gotta step into your part at your workplace. You gotta step into that part, that role that God has for you, you gotta step into that at your university campus. You gotta step into that in your family, in your friendships, in whoever you come in contact with. I had this idea, man, what if all of Sub 30, what if uh, however many thousands of people that come to Sub 30, and everyone's obviously maybe not here tonight, but people come and go, and they can't make all four weeks in a month, but whatever, what if maybe the thousands of people that kinda called Sub 30 home, what if everyone decided in 2016, I'm gonna live on mission this year? What if all of us, that's a big what if. What if everyone decided I'm gonna live on mission this year? You're saying, what's, what's on mission? That's just some, that's a fancy church term for man. this year, every day I wake up, I'm gonna be the ambassador that God has called me to be in every sphere of life that he's placed me in. This is my year. I'm, I'm gonna be what God's called me to be because here's what I know about our generation. We get so caught up with five, 10 years down the road Man, God, what do you have for me five, 10 years down the road? What's my career gonna be? God, what's my ultimate purpose gonna be? God, what am I gonna, like, what do you have? Am I gonna preach down the road? Am I gonna pastor down the road? Am I gonna be a really successful businessman down the road? God, what is down the road? If you would stop focusing on down the road and just saying, God, I'm gonna wake up on a Monday and I'm gonna say yes to being who you need me to be at my work, at my school, in my family. I'm not gonna worry about five years. I'm gonna worry about Monday. I'm not gonna worry about 10 years, I'm gonna worry about Tuesday. And I'm gonna say yes to being the ambassador on mission every single day we wake up. God, I'm waking up, I'm putting my feet on the floor knowing that you want me to say yes to something today and I'm not gonna miss it. I'm not gonna miss what you want me to do because there's a part for me and I gotta play that part today. Like there's no days off, okay? I know the sports analogy doesn't really work there because they have an off season, there ain't no off season. There's always an on season when it comes to you playing your part in position that God has for you. What does that practically look like? You know, you you being on mission every single day. I wrote down some examples, just a few things. Some days, that's gonna look like you praying with a coworker. You're gonna be sitting around and God's gonna like just kind of impress upon you to go and like you you heard them, somebody in their family got sick, has cancer, whatever, and, and God's gonna like nudge you. Go pray with that person. And that's how you can stay on mission that day. Other things might be you're gonna give some meals to homeless people that maybe you see in town. You're gonna help somebody out. You're gonna share Jesus with a classmate this year. Some of you, you're gonna take a stand for God in a college classroom in a conversation with an unbelieving atheistic professor this year. Like God's gonna, this is the year gonna go into that classroom. God's gonna give you the boldness and the words to say so that you can actually have that conversation with a professor. Who knows, you could lead him to the Lord right then and there. Who who knows what God could do? Some days that might just be encouraging a family member who's struggling. Some days it could be random acts of generosity to whoever you meet. You're paying for people's meals who are behind you in the drive-thru. I don't know, just random acts of generosity. The bottom line is this, Sub-30, we can no longer live our lives asking God to use someone else. Because there's no extra parts for him to use. There's no extra parts for God to use. If you want to write more things down, please write this down. He has you there because he wants to use you there. He has you there, because he wants to use you there. It's so hot. That's horrible. That came from a guy. Um, OK. He has you there because he wants to use you there. So in other words, think about it like this. You didn't just get that job because it paid well. That's not why you got the job. You got that job because God needed a representative there. You're like, you didn't just get into that university because no one else would accept you. You got into that university because God needed a representative there. See, it all makes sense when you begin to understand I'm playing a part. I'm playing a position in this thing called the kingdom. You're not even just friends with the people you're friends with because you share a similar sense of humor and you like the same stuff. You're friends with them in this season right now because God needed a representative there. That's why. You're not even in Jacksonville, Florida by coincidence. Some of you are like, there's a lot of other places in Florida I'd rather live. I want to get out of Jacksonville. You're here because God needed a representative right now in the sphere of life that you're living in. You got a part to play. You got a position to play. The question for all of us tonight is, are you going to play your position? Are you going to play your position this year? Man, it's important that we understand this. You have a part to play. What's stopping you from getting in the game? What's stopping you from playing your position? Because here's what I wanna encourage you. Before we leave here tonight and go out to an after party, whatever's stopping you from playing your position, man, you gotta gotta put those roadblocks aside. You gotta do it tonight. Whatever hindrance you have that's keeping you from playing your part, man, we gotta deal with that tonight. We gotta give that mess to God. Let him handle whatever you think is holding you back because I got a position to play. I thought about a couple stories in scripture. I thought about Judges chapter six. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter six that God calls a man named Gideon. We don't have time to read it tonight in scripture. Trust me, it's there, I'm not lying. I wouldn't do that to you, not from the stage at least. So, uh, it's horrible. Uh, Judges chapter six, God calls Gideon. He he calls Gideon, he finds him, and he tells Gideon, hey, I want you to help uh, deliver and lead Israel, my people, out of the hands of the Midianites, another foreign nation who was oppressing Israel. And Gideon responds back to God and he basically says this. He says, uh, God, look, hey, uh, I'm from the weakest clan. Like the people I roll with, we're like the weakest clan and I'm the least in that clan, okay? I'm the least in this whole tribe of people. I'm really not good. So in essence, what Gideon is saying is he's like, yo, God, you better find someone else for this task. You better find someone else, God, I can't I can't do it. And God responds to Gideon and God's response is basically like, uh, yeah, nah, no.'" Uh, Because Gideon, there's no extra parts for this task. There's no extra people for this one. I don't want anyone else, I want you. Gideon surrenders to what God wants him to do and with 300 men against a vast army of thousands, Gideon and his 300 men are victorious and they deliver the people of God. I thought about the book of Jonah, right? Jonah chapter one, it tells a great story about a guy named Jonah, that's great. Um, It's fitting and uh God calls Jonah and he tells Jonah, here's what I want you to do, man. I want you to go preach to a city called Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't even respond back to God. Like he like he like he hears God saying something, he's like, beast mm, out. That ain't me. Like you <laughs> he's like, like, for like, you ever had that happen? You ever feel like God's saying something to you? And all you can think to do is just be like, God, you playing. Stop playing. Stop playing right now. Stop like. You know, God's like, hey, go talk to that person. Go, go tell that person about Jesus. Go pray with that person. God, you tripping, Lord Jesus. You funny today. You funny on a Monday, Jesus. Uh, no, right? Jonah doesn't even do that. Jonah, he totally leaves, right? He, 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 in essence, he's saying, God, you better find someone else. God, I'm not doing that. You better find someone else. What's God's response? Uh, nah, nah. Because there's no extra parts for this task, Jonah. Jonah tries to run, he goes the opposite direction, gets on a ship, big storm comes, right? Jonah gets thrown overboard, the Bible tells us that a large fish, probably a whale, comes and swallows him up, and for three days, three days, he sits in the belly of a fish, praying to God. We all would be doing that. Like, oh my, like, even if you don't believe in God, you praying to Jesus, I guarantee it. So, ain't nobody else coming to get you. So praying to God for three days in the belly of a fish. The Bible tells us the fish throws him up on dry ground and Jonah, after prayer, he finally surrenders to God. He goes to Nineveh and after three days of preaching, guess what happens? The Bible says a whole city turns back to God. An entire city of people turn back to God. You know, I couldn't help but have this thought, Sub 30. Imagine what you're missing when you keep saying, God, use someone else. Imagine what you're not seeing with your very own eyes when you keep saying, God, use someone else. Man, imagine what we're not seeing in our workplaces. Imagine what I'm not seeing on university campuses. Imagine what we're not seeing in my own family. Imagine what we're not seeing in our friendships when we keep waking up saying, God, I don't wanna play my part today, use somebody else. Every time you say that, whether you can hear it audibly or not, he's responding, there ain't any extra parts for this. I need you to play this one. I need you to do what I've called you to do. There's no extra parts. We have a position to play. And I just wrote down four simple things. You can write these down. I think there's four common reasons people decide not to play their parts. Four common reasons, are probably a hundred, right? But, but four common ones as to why people decide, look, I'm, I'm not gonna play my position. The first one is this: I think people say I'm too bad. I'm too bad. Like, yo, preacher, I hear you. Great message. Ha ha ha. We're all laughing, but you don't understand where I'm coming from. And I, God might have a lot of a lot of parts for these people to play, but I, I'm pretty sure I've screwed myself up so much God can never use me. The Bible talks about there's a guy uh, in the Old Testament and, uh, or excuse me, in the New Testament. His name was Saul. We now know him as Paul, right? Uh, but back when he was Saul, uh, he was a murderer, like hardcore murderer, and and here's the the thing about him, he didn't just like murder random people, he specifically targeted people who believed in Jesus. He specifically murders Christians. Someone asked me one time, they're like, yo, how many people did, did Paul murder? And the answer is, I don't know, but it was enough to give him a reputation. It was, a, at one point, the Bible tells us he tries to come and join up with the disciples, and all the other disciples are like, yeah, homie, you ain't coming up here. Like, <laughs> we know about you. Like, no, no, there's no way. You're not, no, you, you kill people like us. You're not, you're not gonna roll with us. Like, no, like, it was enough to give him a reputation. A guy who used to murder Christians all of a sudden surrenders his life, and now he's the greatest missionary we've ever known or seen. You're, you're, not, you're not too bad. Even a great guy in the Bible named David, King David, The Bible even says he was a man after God's own heart. Doesn't say that about anyone else in Scripture, but David had that said about him. Even David had a moment where he sleeps with someone who is not his wife, and to cover it up, he has her husband killed, right? David was a murderer. He might not have pulled the trigger, but he set it up. But yet God still uses a man like David to do great and awesome things. And even as we're looking at the scope of David's life, no one's remembering a couple of these slip ups, but people are remembering all the great things that God used to do in his life. You're not too bad. Sub 30, understand this, God knows what you've done. God knows the things that you've done and you haven't even told anyone. God knows all of it, but here's the thing, he still wants to use you anyway. God still wants to use you anyway. If we were all perfect, then grace is useless and Jesus came for nothing. God's plan all along was that he was gonna use imperfect people to accomplish his perfect will. That's what he wanted to do. You're not too bad. The second thing people think is they think I'm too weak. I'm too weak. Maybe you don't think you're too bad, you think you're too weak. That was Gideon's excuse, right? God, I'm too weak. I'm way too weak for this. Maybe you're even sitting in here tonight and you feel like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not a super Christian yet. I'm just real fresh in this thing. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to find my bearings and, and God, you can't use me yet because I'm too weak right now. Maybe even look at this, and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm never gonna be the eyes of the kingdom of God. I'm never gonna be the hands. I'm never gonna be the mouthpiece of the kingdom. I'm way too weak for that. And, and you know, I thought about this. I thought about this red wagon over here, right? This red wagon, is my son's wagon. We go on walks and he sits in his wagon all the time. We do it every single week. And um, and the first thing you probably will notice about this red wagon is the fact that there's a large red seat right there, right? Obviously, it's you you can't miss it it's it's what the wagon's all about right and then you know one kid sits here and if you have two they they can both sit there and talk to each other and get snot on each other it's awesome and 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 it's here it is right and, and it's the red red, red wagon and, and and the seat the red seat is definitely the most seen it's definitely the most visible. And what I thought, Sub 30, is there's gonna be people in this room tonight, and when it comes to how God's gonna use your life, and what God has for you, and the part and the position that you're gonna play in the kingdom of God, some of you, were, you're never gonna be the red seat. That's, that, that's not meant to discourage you. But, but maybe your part is never gonna be the big, out front, visible red seat. There's gonna be some people, and you're, your part is gonna be the bolt that I put in that wheel well. There's a bolt in there. Totally unseen, No one sees it, no one praises the bolt. No one's getting jacked out of their mind about the bolt, you know, like. But check it, this wagon ain't going anywhere without that bolt in that wheel well. And and people on earth, they might not see you working for the kingdom and the natural. Millions around the world may never praise you for for the, the things that God's doing in your life. Maybe they'll never know, maybe they'll never see, but there is a toy maker who made this toy and knows the value of the bolt in that wheel well. And the same is true for us. There is a God and a creator up in heaven. He made your position, he assigned your position, he wants you to play your position. It might be unseen, but that don't mean it's not valuable. Nobody might see it. No one might not praise it. No one might come up to you and be like, oh my God, I've never met a bolt before. This is incredible. But you're valuable. And the kingdom of God would get a whole lot further if that bolt played its position. Man, you're not too weak. You're not too weak. You're you're, you're not just some weak, insignificant part. Are you gonna play your position this year? I thought about this. Sports teams fall apart when the players don't play their position. It's not always the biggest. It's not always the fastest and the strongest teams that win. You know what teams win? The teams that know their position and play their position. That's who wins. God's not afraid of your weakness. The Bible even says that in your weakness, His strength is perfected. He, he's getting the glory anyway. He's not afraid of your weakness. Number three, two more. The third people I think say, I'm too scared. I'm too scared. That was Jonah's excuse. I'm, I'm too scared to go to Nineveh. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27:1. the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 118, verse six, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I, I love all these, that's just three verses in the Psalms. There's, way, there's tons more similar to it. And as I read all of these verses in the scriptures, I noticed that they basically all say three things. Number one, God is with me. Number two, so I won't be th- afraid. And number three, what can man do to me? God's with me, so I won't be afraid. What can man do to me? I love the Apostle Paul because you couldn't do anything to that man. Like, you couldn't touch that guy. The Apostle Paul, that, that dude was untouchable. He knew God was with him. He wasn't afraid of anything, and he knew man can't touch me. People would come to the uh, Apostle Paul all the time. He'd be preaching Jesus. he'd leading people to the Lord, being used by God, and they'd come to him and be like, hey, Hey, you stop it! We're going to throw you in jail. Paul be like, "That's fine. I'm going to praise my way out and lead your guards to Jesus anyway. I don't, I don't. Doesn't bother me." And they're like, "Well, well then, well then, we're going to we're going to torture you." And Paul would be like, "That's fine. I don't consider the present sufferings of this world being compared to the future glory that's in Jesus Christ." Well, well then, Paul, we're going to we're going to kill you. That's cool too. To live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm winning anyway. What do you do with that guy? What do you do with that guy? You can't touch that guy. You can't touch that man. There's people in here tonight and you're scared. You're too, you feel like, man, I'm scared and, and I don't know what God's gonna do, but man, if you can hold on to those three things, God's with you. You don't have to be afraid because ain't nobody touching God's anointed. Nobody's touching those that God has put in their place and put in their position. I love the Apostle Paul for that. As the band comes out and joins me tonight, the last thing is there's people who feel like I'm too late. There's I'm too bad, there's I'm too weak, there's I'm too scared, and now there's people who say, I'm too late. I'm too late. You're actually not too late. I thought of a man in the Bible named Noah. What, what, everyone knows about Noah, right? I mean, even if you didn't grow up in church, like Noah's Ark, right? It was a movie, Russell Crowe, horrible you know, depiction, but whatever. <laughs> Hollywood and their Bible movies. Uh. Right? So, so Noah had the ark. Here's the great thing about Noah, real quick. Um, we, we don't hear anything about the first 500 years of Noah's life. 500, It's a long time. I, I don't wanna live 500 years. Um, we don't hear anything about the first 500 years, but from 500 to 600, we get this awesome story about him building an ark being used by God, people thought he was foolish, people thought he was ridiculous, he's getting made fun of every day for those 100 years, 500 to 600, but at the end of it all, the rains come, the floods come up, and Noah saves his family, all these animals, and, it, and it's such a massive story of, of rebirth, and, and it's Old Testament, so no doubt Pastor Keith is gonna preach it at some point this year, and it's what he does, And but it, but it's awesome, but, but isn't that interesting, 500 years, we get nothing about this guy, we don't, we don't get his childhood we don't get his adolescence we don't get anything but 500 to 600 we get this whole bit of being used by God you know I thought people who think they're they're too late um, you know what maybe if your life was recorded maybe if someone wrote it down if there was a biography one day maybe we wouldn't get much of the first couple decades maybe there's not much that you would, is significant, or I don't really want anyone to know about kind of the first couple decades, two, three decades, but I'm here to tell you right now, you start playing your position, you start playing your part, and the story from this day forward gets a whole lot more interesting. The story from this day forward gets a whole lot bigger, a whole lot more captivating. Jesus is a whole lot more exalted. It's not too late. If God can use homeboy in the Old Testament, 500 years old, to finally make it in the pages of Scripture, God can use your life. You're never too late. The last thing I wanna share with you is this. I'm a huge soccer fan. In fact, I play with a lot of guys throughout the week here at Sub 30, and I love it. There's something in soccer called a red card, right? If you're a player, you never wanna see this. Um, And what happens in in soccer is is if you're a player and and the referee gives you a red card, it means that you've done something that has now eliminated you from playing in the game. You're, You're immediately sent off back to the bench, but here's the deal about a red card, is when a player gets a red card, not only are you kicked off, but there's no substitution allowed to come back onto the field for you. There's there's an empty position out on the field. Your team is now playing down a man because you got a red card, right? And, and I feel like there's people in this room tonight and, and the enemy has given you a spiritual red card and you've accepted it. The enemy has made you feel so bad about who you think you are and what you've done and, and you look back at some years in your life and you're like, man, I'm, I'm too late, I'm too bad, I'm too weak, I'm, I'm too scared and, and the enemy has given you this and the enemy said, hey, just go sit on that bench over there. There's a lot of other uh, uh, first class Christians, first team Christians, starter Christians, they're gonna handle the rest of this game but you're gonna go sit on the bench because you got this spiritual red card. And so many people in the world have allowed the enemy to give them this and they're sitting on the bench saying, man, Sure would be nice to get back in the game. Maybe it sure would be nice for God to maybe use me again, but, but I, I know I'm, I'm just too bad. And you know, devil, you're right. I mean, I did do that thing back in high school. I, I did get drunk last week. I did sleep with that girl that one time. I did, I did, I did, I did, I did, I did. And, and you're, you're sitting on the bench because you got one of these. But what's great, what I love is that FIFA, right? The organization of soccer all around the world. I, I love what FIFA has in their rules right here. Because you see, there's something in club soccer known as a red card appeal. This is actually right here. I pulled it from the FIFA laws of the game. It says this, within 24 hours of a match, a club may request an appeal and review of the send-off to rectify a case of serious and obvious error of the disciplinary decision of the referee. In other words, if you get sent off with a red card, If you don't believe it's accurate, if you don't believe it's right, if you don't believe that should have happened, your club president can actually appeal to FIFA. They'll go back and watch the footage and they have the ability to overturn the red card. You see, all you had to do though was go to the higher power to watch the film. All you had to do was go to someone a little bit higher than that referee on the field and he can overturn and overrule the decision. And I just think there's people in here tonight and you need to appeal the spiritual red card that the devil has tried to give you. Tonight's the night that you go back to Jesus. You say, hey, I've been sitting on the bench too long. I got given this a long time ago, but I don't believe I should still be on the bench. I wanna get back in the game. I wanna play my part. I wanna play my position. And what God's gonna see is, yeah, God's gonna see your fouls God's gonna see your mistakes God's gonna see your failures but he's gonna see all of it through the great lens of Jesus Christ he's got grace he's got mercy and he's gonna appeal and overturn this red card he's gonna put you back in the game you're gonna start playing the part that you were always created to play this is your year there's no extra parts there's no substitution to play your position you got to get back doing what God's called you to do. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's lift up a shout of praise. Let's lift our hands. This is the year. This is the year. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.